0: Recording in progress. <laughs> That's what she says to me. Yep. same z's She's so polite. No, that is helpful. I kind of liked it before because then I could start and I could get true candid conversation because you you didn't know if I was recording or not.
1: That is true. I I do kind of miss that. That was nice. Uh, maybe there's some sort of setting we can figure out.
0: Now I guess I can be like, oh, don't listen to her. She's lying. <laughs> Oh, oh, boy. Well, anyways, hippity hopping back into it here. <clears throat> um, you already know who it is. It's your boy, Nick. You're here at Full Impact again, part two of five, covering Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. And, you know, I'm one of your co-hosts. And with me is always my co-host, the amalgamation of wisdom, experience, and culture. Allison. Wow! What an intro. Thank you. That was very nice. I
1: appreciate it. And Thanks. yeah, I'm looking forward to get jumping back in, man. I I am. Um, I, I have some other things to touch on once we get rolling here. Just from a couple of scenes ago, but. Uh, yeah i uh, i also want to acknowledge first before we get started that uh last episode the the first one that we released in this new uh series was our 50th our 50th podcast so happy 50th to my co-host
0: happy 50th episode episode is.
1: episode correct uh yeah we're saying <laughs> um but we want to thank everybody that's hung with us for all 50 that's really very awesome and i think i can speak for both of us when i say that we are very grateful um that we even have one <laughs> so thank you all very much
0: yes very, very much you, you know what we do can only be done because of what you do <laughs> oh how deep was that a haiku <laughs> I don't know. It might be. You might want to check it. Anyways, um, before we really get started into things here, I do have a bit of a shout-out here. Um, a fan of, fan of us here, um, shortly after the last episode aired, um, shot us an email. Um, uh, this is Robert. Um, I'm not sure where from, but Robert. A fan. Love him. Anyways, he brought up a great point here um, when we were talking about the village that they're in here um and how it's kind of you know lively and you know gives hope and it's like seems like kind of a nice place to live um he brought up uh yui's words at the in end of evangelion where she mentioned you know her quote here that's like anywhere can be heaven if you choose to live and you know he go he talked about you know despite all the chaos going on and you know the uh, hardships that they've faced you know they all the villagers seem happy and content with their simple lives and i am disappointed in myself for not making that connection myself but kudos to Robert because it is out of the park i love it
1: ditto thanks robert yeah what a great what a great sentiment and yeah i i uh I I wish that we had thought of it, but see, that is why we always, always appreciate people reaching out and um, getting more in depth with us or catching things that we miss. We appreciate it. So two thumbs up, Robert.
0: And another little thing he mentioned is that uh, the song that played at the end or the end theme of um, the last film, 3.33, the title of it is uh, Sakura Nagashi. Um, And he mentioned that he found out that it's, the song is a letter from Misara and So next time you're listening to that, listen with that pretense and let me know if it changes things for you.
1: Wow, Robert is a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to do that
0: now. Yeah, absolutely. Rewind to episode whatever it is, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to catch up if you need to. (laughs)
1: Yep, just fire up your time machine and head right back.
0: All right. Anyways, we are starting right off. Um, this is we're starting off when they are about to board Vunder, leaving the village here. Um, you know, we see that uh, the Vunder offloads all non-essential personnel. Um, you know, indicating that their next mission, you know, is uh, you might not come back from.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, you know, in Kenske. And Toshi, you know, they tell Shinji, you know, you can stay here if you want. Um, but Shinji goes anyways. He
1: sure does, he sure does. Um, I, I just to, real quick. Um, I don't know if this was like a flashback or what happened, but there was something reminded me back in the very last scene or close to the last scene we discussed last time when Ray uh, explodes. There's like a montage of her and the baby kind of like in scenes. Mm -hmm. And it was like the baby knew that she had some sort of connection with Ray. And she was really upset because I think she knew something bad was about to happen. And I thought that was something cool to kind of point out. Like, I don't know if that was done on purpose, if that's even what the meaning of that was. But I just, it just kind of flashed back to me and I, I wanted to mention it just in case anyone may have thought that as well but again i think that intuitiveness of you know knowing something is leaving the world and maybe for shinji like he's picking up where that life left off and it seems like that's what he's doing now
0: yeah and i don't know if it's um like directly a like the baby knows something we don't or if it's just like an artistic choice to have the baby who we know has like somewhat bonded with ray uh but have the baby like start Crying when kind of around the same time Ray realizes something's wrong. If it's, yeah. you know, as like just to notify us that like, or further cement that something is wrong. I mean, even, I don't know if the baby can actually sense it or not, or if it's just, you know, embellishment, but it yeah, works either just, way.
1: Yeah, I just kind of thought it was an interesting point to make because, you know, sometimes on a, on a human level, because they seem to have that connection. And we're, when we're talking about, Ray and and her interest in the whole experience like you wonder if that was some sort of catalyst for her i don't know i I, maybe i'm reading too much into it but it just it it seems you know prominent enough to to mention but yeah i mean so we're back at shinji waking up with uh that's tracksuit sister right
0: yeah that's uh sakura
1: yes okay
0: yes who uh you know promptly (laughs) slaps him (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, she, she is not happy with him at all
0: at all which makes me wonder if it's just a matter of like hey um i'm mad at you for starting this cataclysmic event or if she actually like lost some people when he um you know started the the last impact or not i'm right, sure was both <laughs> i'm sure it was both <laughs> but you know she's a sweetheart Down deep. She is. And it's obvious that she
1: cares to a certain degree about Shinji. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been so upset.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so Shinji's on board. He's under lockdown because, you know, he's a threat to mankind.
1: (laughs) Right. But they do make the decision to let him go choker free, right? Like, that's part of that's kind of a, a, a point of contention, it seems like, with everybody. But because of Shinji's Severe reaction to it. It, it, Do we think that's why they're not doing it? Well,
0: I'm I guess I'm thinking. Well, last time he was an issue was because one, Gendo was after him, um, so he was wanting it, also, Shinji was you know, hell bent on fixing or, you know, redoing everything he'd done to, you know, what's uh, make up for all the mistakes he's made. But we're in this one, he's kind of I want to like, say like a blank slate. Like yeah, like he's he he he's accepted the world that he's in right now. Or I guess he's used to it. You know, he's he's used right. to Misato being cold, Asuka's older, everyone has a job. Like I already tried piloting Ava again, that did not work out. Um, so I think since he kind of knows what's going on, and there isn't that, like, oh, you know, Gendo or Nerf are gonna come after him anymore. That it's kind of like, yeah, he can just like he still has to be here and like under watch all the time. But like, we don't have to put a right,
1: but he's not a
0: choker on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's not a threat that we need to put a yeah. <laughs> a collar on him basically yeah um so let's see here and shinji yeah he's always under surveillance asuka and sakura talk about um kara's demise and what happened to him um and i guess as asuka's kind of signing shinji over to sakura's care watch um she has a brilliant signature by the way mm-hmm. it's very clean
1: mm-hmm. um so i first want to mention we get a bridge view from um wunder right um where they're all like in their own little pods like suspended near each other mm-hmm. yep that was the coolest bridge of a ship ever. Like, it's so, like, everybody has their little, you know, hand controls and stuff. I thought it was so dope. I, I, I don't yeah. I mean, this running. ship,
0: I can't decide if I love it or I hate it, honestly.
1: You know uh, what? I felt like we could have an entire podcast just about this ship alone, <laughs> just because there's that much about it to talk it's, about. It's,
0: yeah, it's, it's massive and it has so many purposes. And it, it looks, it's huge. It looks, it looks like it'd be kind of fragile, especially the windy part that winds back. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is their, their like headquarters, basically their um, fortress here.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And then um, when the girls get reunited back together, um, uh, Asuka and Mari and her room is like a little library. Like she kept all
0: those books yeah yeah
1: that was so she makes a comment and I I can't remember exactly the words but something about how important books were and and what was in them and I thought that was kind of cool it was like just jammed full of all of that stuff
0: and I it kind of made me like Mari a little bit more yeah absolutely I mean it gives the impression that as they've been doing various missions for Vila that you know Asuka and Mari had been picking up remnants of you know books and human documentation and history along the way and keeping it and it seems like it's a particular interest to Mari and I mean, she's I mean their tiny little capsule cube thing here is filled to the brim with them mm-hmm. and we obviously which is much different from the last film we have clear um like proof that Asuka and Mari are now like besties
1: uh, they have nicknames for each other which you know that you're besties when you guys have nicknames or like little inside jokes and um, she's spectacled what was it
0: I don't know <laughs>
1: I wrote it down somewhere. It'll come to me. And Mari calls uh, Asuka the princess. Yes. So, which is perfect for her. Uh, might be speckled something. It's really kind of ridiculous, but I thought it was amazing. But anyway, yes, they they definitely seem like they're getting on much better. They seemed excited to see each other. Um, so, and I think in that that sequence as well, um, Asuka says something that I think is really kind of amazing. She talks cuz I think Mari's like flirting with Shinji somehow or she's being very forward and um she makes a comment to Asuka about it and she says Shinji doesn't need a lover he needs a mother. And I thought that was a really well said statement, like, and it, cause it's true. I mean, he's basically just still a kid, you know, and he's never really, he is him, still like, a kid. He's only yes. 15. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's legitimately still a kid. So yeah. And he does need a mother. And he has no mother figure whatsoever. I mean, Masada was the closest thing that he had to it. And so he he really does. And he needs someone who can, you know, comfort and nurture him and give him hope. And he just doesn't have that in his life. And so I thought even though it was kind of blunt, it was like super true. (laughs) And I thought that was very insightful of Asuka in her cutting kind of way, you know?
0: Yeah, it's... She they have a they're very good at giving Asuka lines that not only imply that she has this, um, not hatred but like distaste for Shinji or kind of like disdain, yeah, well, kind of like you have for like a little brother, but yes, but just with a little brother, you she also has that deep like love for him sure way at the bottom (laughs) way way down deep in her suit
1: it's there but she doesn't feel that way about a lot of people and doesn't tolerate uh people the way that she tolerates shinji's behavior she gives him shit for it but she's still in it she's not completely shut him out which shows that she does she does have you know a, a deep connection with him especially with all the shit they've been through
0: yeah, and it's interesting that you know Asuka has this view towards Shinji, but Mari, um, you know, very seems very clearly like is interested in Shinji. I mean, even from the first moment they met on the rooftop, you know, she was like, "Oh, you know, you smell good," and you know, just the way that Mari inquires about him is so different from how Asuka responds.
1: Yes, yes, and and they are two very different people so and women and their approach to things is different but they they have a common ground in, in that they're very good at what they're doing and they know it so I think they respect that about each other which is why they're able to work together Um yeah I think this is a this this section is a big you know lady <laughs> lady best friends uh episode because we that that plays right into the next part where we have the other two besties right Misato and Labcoat
0: yes but before we get there um you were asking about (laughs) I I don't (laughs) it's obviously not something I look for but when Asuka and Mari meet up for the first time in their little room there um we get a very direct uh fan service booty shot Yes, Uh, but following that um, Cause it's, it's just, we don't really have those too much in the original series. So it's, it's just funny to me that how they're a bit more upfront in these films, but
1: give the people what they want, Nick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mari is an attractive girl, <laughs> whatever. If you but got it, flaunt it. Her quote there is books are the aggregation of human wisdom um, huh. that you're asking about. Um, yes, yeah, so, and, and it was wise. And before we move on, I did want to talk about a little bit when Asuka gives Sakura the picture of her family. Mm. And I I I'm, I'm struggling to remember. I think she cries when she gets it or she's looking. I feel like we see like a tear go down. Mm-hmm. Don't hold me to that. But anyways, it's, I mean... It's just—I guess—it just goes to show her dedication to this cause. You know that she she didn't even get to see her family, and they just landed there. You know she was a mere probably few hundred meters away from her her brother, and I would assume her uh, grandpa, and you know her sister in law, and her new uh, what uh, niece. Mm-hmm. And she, she didn't get to see any of them.
1: Yeah, that's got yeah. You're right, and it is an emotional moment, and and she was already kind of fired up at that point too. So, yeah,
0: it was it was a nice gesture. But yes, let's get into Misato and Risco's uh, little back and forth here as they traverse this um, storage capsule with all these seeds of life in there. Yes, yes.
1: So it's it. it Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's Lab Coat who's kind of like voicing over um, Ponytail's original plan for all of this.
0: Yes. So it turns out Kaji was not as skeevy as <laughs> we thought.
1: <laughs> I, I stand corrected. I that I I, re, I officially redact his swarmy status, and now I I, I upgrade Ponytail to non-swarmy. Yeah. he's actually a pretty good dude.
0: So we learned that this was his whole goal in the first place was to preserve uh, samples of as many specimens of, you know, life as possible so that, you know, when Nerf or Gendo or Shinji should happen to ruin everything, they would have a way to keep things going or restart everything, at the very least. Um, And they referred to this collection of seeds as an arc just one more little Bible reference they had to throw in there. Nice catch. Yep. Um <laughs> and uh when I wrote that in my notes, I put an arc, another Bible reference, and then right after I'm like, also Kaji's the man. <laughs> <laughs> true words, true words. But so as they're talking back and forth about um you know seeds and kaji here um ritsuko gets this little and i i believe it it was ritsuko talking about misato and they were talking about um letting people off the hook for mistakes and ritsuko i think said letting you off the hook leads me to deep trouble
1: I mean, uh, yeah, but she is right that you, you've you got to give yourself a break and otherwise it'll fester. She seems a lot like Misato's therapist r- rather than a friend at this point because she is kind of trying to like reason with her and, and remind her of what the original plan was and try to kind of keep her on track. But Misato's got other plans, it seems.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you think about the, like, original series, I mean, it was Misato that, um, whatever, forced her, blackmailed her, popped up behind her to bring her down to the bottom of Nerf to discover what the heck was going on down there, you know, at gunpoint. So yeah, Ritsuko has familiarity with the repercussions of letting Misato do what she wants.
1: She's been to miss mu she knows what's up um
0: and also we get right right following that um we're back at the bridge for of the ship for a little bit and I mean I don't really I don't really know all the names of the people um I mean i I certainly could look them up and tell them but I feel like that's not entirely necessary um but <laughs> you get a lot of some of them are very like Kaji Misato, like, diehard fans, and the rest of them seem not too confident in her abilities.
1: Yeah, the room was split in in her ability and w- what she's doing. So, yeah, there was a bit... I wouldn't say there was a mutiny afoot, necessarily, but there was definitely rumblings of not
0: being fully on board with her plan. Yes. And I'm just thinking, no trusted Misato? Uh, that's kind of blasphemous, but whatever
1: (laughs) i mean i guess you're entitled to your opinion but as long as you follow orders in the end that's what you're there to do you know i mean because they 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 may question her and they may question her motives and whatever but ultimately she's the commander of that ship and so when she tells them that they have to you know
0: obey an order they have to obey an order yeah and we find out that kaji who you know spearheaded this movement this this that Vila represents in his and their mission he entrusted it to Misato afterwards and that you know Kaji's word about that goes seems to be going a long way yes
1: yes and it makes it, it it seems to make a lot more sense now why things happened the way that they did which as they're talking there they they do mention um her pregnancy right Mm -hmm. and that's why it all went down the way it went down because she knew that she was pregnant and they kind of like skimmed over that part (laughs) but it was there i caught it
0: yeah and i mean we we get a little flashback later with kaji and you know that's it's it's (sighs) when he first pops up it's it's definitely easy to be like this guy is swarming, but man that just that little flashback Knowing everything we know now that he is, you know, one moments before practically it was, you know, he was always supporting Shinji. He was, you know, always whatever, lusting, going after. He he knew he wanted Misato, and you know he was also, you know, I he could have been better, I think, with Asuka, but he was still somewhat there for her. You think? yeah no no yes I do I do yeah and he makes this decision to sacrifice himself and he already has this like world-saving plan and you know Asuka or not Asuka Misato gets not stuck with it but you know kind of stuck with it
1: I yeah it definitely makes you look at him in a, with a whole new lens his motivations were different therefore when you go back and look at his prior actions you may see that it's different than what we had initially thought and and that is absolutely the case and and I also think that you know he he didn't really have anyone else that he could trust with what he was doing and Misato can be a wild card sometimes I mean we've seen her do it that in the past so you know he, he really maybe didn't know for sure which way she would go with things but he for some reason trusted her with this and you know well uh because not only professionally do i think he respected her but they were they were in love so you know you do crazy things
0: yeah is before they start talking about the black moon moving um what did do we see the shot of Nisato looking at the picture by herself or is that a little bit later It's a little bit later i believe all right well that's a little tease for you guys <laughs> put that one in your back pocket so then we move on to the black moon which is more like now a strange black corkscrew mushroom thing that is you know floating to its destination um I put down here, Black Moon is making its way downtown. Um, It's walking fast. Walking fast. (laughs) Faces past, and it's homebound. And this, just this simple thing, I have so many questions, because these Rebuild movies, they throw some monkey riches in things. And as much as this film wraps a lot of it up, there are some smaller questions that probably don't necessarily need answering but i wish that there were answers nonetheless one of them being how they are piloting this upside down pyramid that is also nerf headquarters
1: (laughs) the physics in this this world uh, are pretty complex let's just put it that way and although those questions, yes, could probably use answers, the answers alone would just probably bore us to tears. So I think we should probably just take
0: it for what it is. Yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, when you get into fantasy where it's like, what's the answer? The answer's magic. And you, you can't explain magic because if you could explain it, it wouldn't be magic. Correct. Correct. Don't look behind the curtain is another way older reference, but similar. But Fiutski, and I must say, if you're watching the dub here on Amazon Prime, I, I don't like the voice. <laughs> you don't? I do. I like the voice a lot. At first, I was like, who is that?
1: <laughs> and then they panned to his face, I'm like, oh my goodness.
0: Number two. I much prefer his other voice. I don't know. I guess his other one sounded more uh, mature and I mean, a little bit raspy and old, which I like. But Just like the other films, he lays down some nice exposition here. Um, So we find out that the Black Moon, which is moving towards, um, I believe it's the South Pole. um, And moving there, it's a precondition for the fourth impact. So, you know, we know what uh, they're trying to get at again. You know, they're a one track record here. All they think about is impacts. Yeah,
1: they certainly have... um full impact on the mind. <laughs> um yes. Also I I'd like to point out that glasses has new and improved glasses. Um they're like those kind of visor-ish ones. So he at least is changing up his style as time is going on here. Um and don't we see like a fleet of Ayanamis just like chilling somewhere? Yes. Like just floating around? Yeah. We do. Um, and I then,
0: believe it, they are called the ayanami type six which i believe they um also mentioned it was like an improved ayanami line
1: okay so that clears that up now my next comment is um i i believe it's during uh his discer- dissertation there that he talks about the plan to uh kind of get shinji was that that they had that self-destruct all along And just what a dick his dad is. Like, your own dad using you as a pawn in this bigger world domination game. Like, it's just as as really as
0: sinister as you can get, I thought. Yeah. And that one little line has so, as my my favorite podcast, um, shout out to Prancing Pony Podcast, um, would say there's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) (laughs) And first and foremost is that they seem to imply that with this improved line, they have the ability to make rays that can survive without being at nerf, but this one was intentionally uh, manipulated so that it couldn't do so. Mm-hmm.
1: That was the one that we saw in the beginning
0: of the movie, correct? Yes, the one that uh, blew up in front of Shinji. Yes, yes. Yeah. So think about prior to that scene, every other ray iteration we've seen if they, you know, were away from NERF for an extended period of time and they blew up, we'd be like, oh, yeah, you, we know that. she's hasn't been at NERF. She hasn't been in her tube. She can't stay up there for too long. You know, that's why when she blew up, it was like, oh, well, you know, this is sad, but we kind of knew it was going to happen. But now we find out that it doesn't have to have happened. And that is deliberately happening yeah and that we can have a permanent ray which also means that if they have this um ray, which i'm gonna call oh god what would this one be this is ray two or three in this series i can't remember i want to say i think two, it's three three oh, wow. i don't know we'll go we'll with three, three and if we're wrong whatever three for 3.0 in 3.33 3. there we go Anyways, so I'm assuming that the previous one, which we saw in uh, 2.22, this is the one that Shinji tried to save at the very end here. And we saw him, you know, like grabbing her and pulling her. um, That this ray also could possibly, if she were still alive, could self sustain and live a full life without the existence of nerf yes so you know food for thought there
1: yeah and and also it it just shows what a manipulative creep gendo is like that you're sacrificing that at, at the drop of a dime essentially or you're using it as a bargaining chip to manipulate your kid like it's just he's just such a creep like I, I can't even i mean he always has been but as the plot thickens if you will here on and on he just gets worse and worse
0: yeah he's a cold hearted son of a bitch he yeah, really is
1: like super drunk on power and i mean when you're when you're willing to manipulate your own flesh and blood for a means to an end that says a lot about uh, who you are and Uh, yeah we do not like glasses not a big fan
0: that makes me think of how i laid my cats out of my room under the promise of giving them food only to (laughs) shut the door afterwards (laughs) those are just
1: strategies (laughs) that's not manipulation that's a strategy to get what you need this is full-on absolute manipulation and uh, not just of his own son but of of innocent kids and i guess in the greater scheme of things that's the that's the bigger issue and that he even thought to use them the way that he has is 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 very sinister to say the least but
0: i guess we would have no plot without a villain right yeah and i mean he's straight like robotic in these in the series and not and i'm not complaining he's a he's a great villain in the sense that he's determined and there's no wavering in him but he's if you thought he didn't have you know an ounce of humanity in him in the previous series it's it's absolutely gone here
1: yeah i mean he just keeps putting on another layer uh you know every time we see him and he's just building up to where you're right he's just emotionless at this point
0: yeah so after we get, you know, Futzki and Gendo talking about their preparations, um, you know, we get they're saying that the black moon's here, nerf HQ is here, the vessel of the atoms are ready. Like, next step, let's activate unit 13 again. Um, but um uh, let me see here. Do, 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 do.
1: Well, before this, right, Miss M has that little like montage go on in her mind. Um, And I think that's when she sees that picture. Right. Um, And I think part of that montage was her thinking about, you know, not only like all the repercussions of her actions, especially on the people who uh, depend on her, i.e. Shinji and her own kid. So I think this, this is these are all the thoughts that are going through her mind right before this, like, major thing is about to happen. So she's kind of, like, reflecting on all of her choices and what she's done. And, like, it's like a, you know, a, a, a montage happening in her mind. So it kind of is putting you in her headspace where we're
0: going from here. Yeah. And... I, I don't know if this is just me in it, but when I watched this movie the first time, I think because it's so fantastical and there's so much going on that when all these preparations are going on, it doesn't really sink in that to me that everyone is preparing for what might be their last battle. This is their final stand against Nerf. And I'm just over here being like, wow, look at the ship. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, and that's that's why I'm I'm a big advocate of rewatching, you know, before you start a new film of and not just of this series but of anything really because you do you you're certain things grab your attention the first time around and then that second time you start picking out things that you didn't notice before that start to make things make more sense so yeah i'm a huge advocate of re-watching which is again why i i enjoy doing this podcast because you know we can talk about the things that you know maybe you miss or i miss or that you know we didn't really focus in on and it's, it's a good way to find a different perspective without having to rewatch.
0: yeah yeah absolutely um and y- this is indeed where um he settled just look at that picture of shinji and uh her son ryoji together and okay. who it must have been asuka that brought it on board you think Yes, probably it probably had to be. And it Before was... And it was... Kensuke who took the picture. Of course. So, not that that necessarily means anything. Just trying to get everything straight. But, I mean, I can't... Really begin to fathom... The emotions that Misato has... Looking at this picture... Of this boy that... She took under her wing... As, you know, a guardian... And then, you know, all the shit that happened and the failings next to her blood son with her, you know, late lover who she had to essentially abandon. And they're smiling and happy together.
1: Do you think that makes her happy or sad?
0: I think it gives her something to fight for. Okay. Okay. I think it makes her both, I think it's bittersweet. It's, I mean, I, sure, I know she wishes that she was close with Shinji like she used to be. And, you know, I'm sure she wishes she had a relationship with Ryoji as well. But I bet that seeing them, physical proof of them both alive, well, and at least smiling together, gives her motivation and her dedication to this cause that much more oomph.
1: Yeah, and in a way it's it's a bit reassuring to her, like if she ever had any doubt of the choices that she made, at least she can see two relatively happy kids for a moment there. And, you know, she was what Shinji needed for the time that they were together. And now that time has passed. And even though she didn't spend any real time with her son, that ultimately may have helped him shielding him from a lot of the things that she would have exposed him to. So I think it's kind of a mixture of both, you know, the sadness for the failures that she sees in those relationships. But like you said, the hope that they're thriving now and may continue to afterwards, making everything that she's done worth it
0: yeah for sure and you know as we continue on with this little montage of showing the different staff of the ship preparing you know doing their things before battle here they have uh i think they're, they're leaving in 25 minutes so they got 20 minutes to finish whatever they were doing and we see part of the bridge crew you know getting suited up and they got their uh bandanas around their arm the blue ones let me find out that, you no, know, each one represents someone that they lost when they rose against Nerf. They're um, green. I thought. I thought they were. They're green. they're like a greenish blue. Okay. Yeah, I think they're like. I think it's they're purposefully like a mixture of green and blue to represent both like green earth and blue water, uh-huh. but that's just me. Um, that could be. That's just speculation. I like. That. I like um, that. But we also get that throwback scene with. Kaji giving Misato the bloody um bandana before he goes off in the helicopter to sacrifice himself and save everyone and they do a great job of making Misato look devastated
1: <laughs> for animation absolutely i will wholeheartedly agree with that and during this whole sequence too like the sense of urgency that comes with the good news bad news that Misato gets like it's it's got to be now and I noticed, and one of the things I noticed was in the background, the music, even though was there was like this sense of urgency within the storyline, it was a very like slow moving music. And it was kind of ominous, this the the difference between what was happening and what was what you're
0: listening to. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And Misato says, you know, back then I, I wanted to stay with Kaji. And Rishka says, you know, I'm sure. If you weren't expecting, he would have let you. That's where, yeah. Do you think that? And I and I'm just might be obvious, maybe not. Do you think that what she's saying is that at that time, if she weren't expecting, she would have wanted to sacrifice herself as well with him? Yes. Yes.
1: That 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 her being pregnant was the only thing that stopped her from doing that.
0: And it just. I mean, there's, we just keep getting these little things that just keep stacking on the layers to Misato's mental state.
1: Yeah. Also, it it says something about her strength as well. I mean, that's, that's a difficult decision for anyone to make. And she's had to make a lot of difficult decisions by herself, basically her whole life. And, you know, she has a sense of stoicism. I think Labcoat pointed out at one of during one of their conversations about her not crying or getting emotional. And it's like, I think she's got to pack that all away because she's on a mission and that's what's driving her. And if she were to, to stay in the past and all of those things, then it, it becomes more difficult to see your goal clearly. And I think that's what she's kind of doing, even though, all of these things Shinji being back you know her seeing her son in that picture like it's just bringing all of that back up for her so yeah she's she's going through a lot but she's a tough bitch she always has been
0: so that's why she's my favorite yeah and I mean I'm, I'm assuming you've anyone's probably watched the whole the rest of the movie um do you think that for her purposes it's the right decision for her to have shut herself off from feeling or expressing emotion completely, or if she would be doing, you know, just as well or better or worse, had she kind of kept up with her classic Misato vibe of, you know, she was always a badass, but she was compassionate and, you know, loving at the same time.
1: Um, I think her experience with Shinji put doubt in her mind about, how effective she could be as a mother figure, because in her mind, she sort of failed Shinji, and that outcome was not what she thought it would be. So maybe her rational mind told her that he would be better off not having her influence because she had failed before. I mean, it's difficult to say what goes on um, and and why we make the choices that we make, but I think that, that her relationship with Shinji definitely affected her decision to do what she did with her son. But I also think that if she didn't have her son, they would both kind of be gone or we would be in a whole different situation right now. So in a way the kid saved her even though she's never really been in his life. So there's kind of that symbolism there. But I think there's there's got to be a ton of mixed emotions there and it had to have been a very difficult decision for her to make. But she is very strong in her decisions and very, um, she sticks to her guns for lack of a better term. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but
0: no, I think that's great. I mean, it's there was really no you know wrong or right answer. Um, uh, so it's just you know opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think it, before we move on, I, to kind of some very basic recapping of the groundwork of this world, because I feel like <clears throat> when we have, when we're thinking Vila and Nerf, we it's easy to be like, they're just two different company, like organizations that differ in opinion, you know, kind of thing. Um But, I mean, if we're thinking of the, like, after the second impact, so like the first actual kablooey that ruined life as we knew it. And then, you know, the angels started showing up. We had, we still had, you know, humanity had built itself up a little teeny tiny bit. We had, you know, the Japanese government was still operating. Um, And, but then as they become incapable of handling the angels, they kind of have to resort to this third party private military, essentially, that's Nerf. And it's, you know, their ability to be the only people that can defeat these angels, you know, gave them rise to power to the point where we had Gendo, who was essentially, you know, the most, I mean, obviously his pilots were kids, so, you know, I don't know about how uh, obedient they were, but he was essentially the most powerful man in the world at that point and that's what they're dealing with here now is this private organization that is inflicting its own personal vendetta against everyone and then we have this other you know rebellion that's rising up with villa and that's the conflict that we're have here is it's not just two organizations who differ in opinion it's the fight to get the world back to a livable condition on un- that's not under a- the tyrant of gendo
1: yeah i mean it goes back to the old saying what is it um absolute power corrupts absolutely so i think that's the case with gendo and and with that corruption comes someone who's strong enough to push against that or call it out or correct it in some way and i think that's what um vila is essentially doing here is to to kind of say hey wait a
0: minute (laughs) we might have other solutions to this uh yeah maybe this isn't the best way to go and this movie kind of shows like the peril i didn't think i'd ever do this but the peril between the star wars empire and the star wars rebels like that's basically what we have
1: i literally wrote down vader like (laughs) And this whole plan, like all, like when, um, when we see gloves and his sidekick there, like it was very Vader, like that that intense, single, singularly focused task or mission or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, so it's it, I I definitely
0: definitely agree that that's, that there are similarities for sure. Yeah, I mean, Gendo's would be essentially like the emperor, and yeah. then I guess Unit Thirteen would kind of be. Vader uh to an extent. And then, you know, Zila is all the other leaders that are think that they're have a hand up on things and are pulling the strings, but it's actually Gendo that holds the trump card still. Yes. Or, you know, supposedly holds the trump card. Uh, but, anyways, on Asuka and Mari's way out to suit up and whatnot, they take a little detour. Say hi to Shinji. Mari takes this opportunity to flirt up a storm with him. Uh, I mean, because why not? No time like the present. Um, but it's it's so interesting that she has such a liking to him when he is exuding nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um I think that's just a Mari personality trait. I think there are just some people, especially when they see someone who's maybe not upset or included, or uh, they're the first ones to go engage them. I mean, there people are definitely there, there. are people that are definitely that way, and that, that seek out the person in the room that doesn't look like they're having a good time and try to cheer them up. I'm going to assume that that's what's happening here. I think also too, she's got a lot of energy that's just kind of. You know, illuminating off of her. I I do want to mention too that these new suits are dope. Like the rainbow, how they light up. Like Mm -hmm. I I was like, kudos on the upgrade of the
0: suits. I really, really liked it. Yeah. The white rainbow design is is pretty cool. I like it a lot.
1: Yes. But they, I think in that scene, they talk about um, how. I think Shinji said, Well, I didn't even think you liked me because of my inability to make a decision, which is what everybody, you know, was on him for. And she kind of just uh, didn't, I don't know. I, did she agree with him? I don't remember, but I remember Asuka basically saying, Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> and not some, and more than words than that.
0: Yeah, well. You know, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> yes. yes. Um shortly after they leave, um, Shinji has a vision of Kaura where he Kaura says to Shinji that, you know, they'll they'll meet again. And Shinji's kind of like, yeah, you're right. And like gets this like little glimmer of hope that, you know, eventually someday he'll get to see Kaura again.
1: Do you think he wants to speed that up? um,
0: That's a good question.
1: Or do you think that it's more of a a motivation for him to move forward with his life, or do you think it's, okay, I really want to see him, so I'm gonna do what I can to make
0: that happen? I think it's motivation, and I I think it's because not only does he have this little glimpse of Kara, but when he returned or agreed to go back on the Wunder, he he did so with a sort of um like adamance. He he gripped the Walkman when he was like saying that he was gonna go back on. And I think that was supposed to tell us that Ray's words to him got through and that he's gonna actually try and make an effort to get or make possible the life that Ray was starting to live and wanted for him Mm. get busy living or get busy dying right exactly and you know obviously after the events of the last film like i don't there's no doubt in my mind that shinji is sure he's still freaking shinji but he's not going back to nerf or gendo ever again not after what happened with kara
1: definitely not i mean if he does shame on him but yeah i think you're right i think he's pretty much done why
0: wouldn't you be what a horrible what a dick yeah honestly um so as the black moon approaches its place they dispense all of the um seed pods in the space so they can stay safe and do their thing so they're ready if we need them which is cool the design of the capsules and how they kind of stay in orbit which and another thing like the fact that the Wunder just been like chilling in orbit like I imagine where like the uh, ISS kind of hangs out you know Mm -hmm. just floating around and I was trying to like figure out how their the gravity works in this thing because the ship itself is so horizontal and, you know, I see them walking around in places and then in others they're floating. And then in some, like when they were in the, when Misato and Ritsuko were in the seed pod storage, it was a very tall cylinder that they were standing in vertically. And I'm like, where is this positioned in the ship? And then when we see them ejected, they eject. Um, horizontally. So um I it's just just me being me, but this thing is massive and I don't understand how the gravity works in it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can totally see that too, but I, I just again I I gotta believe that there's a reason for all of it. Also maybe it's in its design because you know how part of the ship is almost like a coil uh that comes off of it. Like maybe somehow that's they're able to shift gravity somehow. I don't yeah. know. It's just my my thought, but it is So, and just to clarify for my own sake that, yeah, all these pods go shooting out into space and did some sort of force field or something, is there something protecting them or like did, are they just chilling out in space somewhere?
0: I think they're mostly chilling. I think they are operating off of a self-guided like computer system that regulates and is able to activate them when necessary. I don't know how much like protection they have. Got it. Um, And also, as for the gravity question, my head canon is that they can kind of adjust how they want gravity positioned so that when they're on the bridge, you know, they're standing upright, and then certain parts, it's, um, you know, gravity-less, like when Asuka and Mari were floating around, and maybe in other parts, like the seed pod storage, they can adjust it so that, you know, where they would have previously been kind of horizontal-facing, they're now upright. And it makes sense, but whatever. Okay. Cool. Either way. Anyways, they're entering the atmosphere of the Wunder is. They're about to get things going here. And this the design of the ship is just it's so interesting. I can't get past it. <laughs> Most ships that we see are are like they're streamlined and they're uniform. And this ship. It looks so, like, it reminds me kind of of the Millennium Falcon in the sense that it looks like a ship that was just built on and built on and built on. it just kept adding things, so it doesn't look particularly uniform, but it's just kind of decked out at the same time.
1: Yeah, it almost looks like a, <clears throat> like a. a a salvaged ship, you know, that was kind of pieced together, like, okay, we can use this piece for this, and this piece for this, like, a bunch of different ships put together to form one, Um, and it's just, you're you're right, the way that it moves through its orbit, the way that it's, the way the bridge is, and how they're all hanging out, and when they can, when they're headed into the atmosphere, and, like, all the views and stuff, it it was very intense, that this, this whole scene right here.
0: Yeah, and, when they hit, you know, air coats here at the grounds, they hit that, like this containment field that looks like it's ice, but it's, you know, it's those like hexagons that they rip through, you know, that barrier that they're going through. Um, and then we have the other, um, ship rise up behind it and start attacking. Um, those are, so we find out that there are other ships similar to Wunder. They're called, um, they're like the vessels of the atoms, um, and so the Wunder is one that I believe um, Kaji had stolen from Nerf and taken away. And the last film, uh, I think, Asuka in Unit Two fights one of the um, one of the atoms, and it is like that black. Black Ava looking guy, mm-hmm. um and he was the original captain of the Vunder, but they kill him and that there are um three other ships that each have a uh, captain, and they're all and those are called so each ship's a vessel of the atom, and then each ship has an atom and the together they are. Mark nine, Mark ten, Mark eleven, and Mark twelve, and basically they just look—they just look like sort of regular evangelians, except their faces are blank and they have like an X in them. That's all it really looked like. It's not nothing too spectacular. um But if you're wondering where the frick these ships came from and what the vessel of the atoms are, and blah 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 blah, that's what they are. There's the four ships. Each one has a captain. And they're um, piloting one of them, and this one is incomplete, the Wunder, and that's probably why it looks so janky. Is because they had to rebuild it on their own, whereas the other ones were built to completion. Right,
1: they had a specific plan in mind building them. The Wunder was kind of like a um,
0: <laughs> do-it-yourself project. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in the other ones, you can see them like they their their cannons, their firepower is greater than the vounders and they have these like everything is streamlined they have these cool like blue sharp crystal things on the top and you know this one ship is just wrecking wrecking them
1: <laughs> yeah and so and they get ambushed right they they get don't expect to have another ship coming straight at them
0: right yeah yep and they basically can't handle it you know they're the wounders not Uh, suited to take on that kind of firepower. So they are, you know, make their dive, they're finally able to do so. And then go um, below the, I believe it's the the containment field. And, you know, inside it's, it's, I guess it's hard because we don't see a, like, bird's eye view of the whole area. But it seems like you know Avangeland loves their giant circles. And this <laughs> seems to be like another giant circle, or very least, another giant dome, where the outside is this white crystalline containment field that you have to breach. And then inside is this just a bunch of mm-hmm. red shit of uh, you know all sorts of stuff. And then deep, deep, deep in the center is where uh the remnants of the Black Moon and Nerf HQ are currently residing. Yes, and that's where we're at. And that's where we're at. So they're, they're plowing through here. They go through something called an Infinity Swarm. What that is, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> it looks like a bunch of...
1: It looks like, like bats po- out of a cave.
0: Yeah, it, it, it looks like bats out of a cave are like, just like a bunch of like almost like corpses are just bodies rushing okay. past them in this, um, you know, this liquid, this stasis of some sort. You know, they're not attacking them per se. They're just kind of in the way. And you like get this- forming them. Yeah. And we get this awesome shot for a few seconds where we see that the Vunder against, because another ship pops up in front of the Wunder. So now they have a ship in front of them and a ship behind them. Um, but they get this shot where- we see an opening where they're at, this, sh- this layer that goes really far, and they're flying in this little open layer. And above them are, are, is all the Infinity Swarm, and below them is the Infinity Swarm. And it just shows how massive this frickin' field is.
1: It's pretty impressive. It's definitely impressive.
0: Yeah, and I love how when the is doing its thing, I love the added halos to all the stuff in in the rebuild movies i i love the halos when they pop up i think they're so freaking cool
1: i agree and i mean it's like night and day from series animation to movie animation but that's what time and technology will do for you but um i think it's it it is visually the whole when they come crashing through those hexagon things and all that stuff together it's just such a great series of scenes and like i'm normally not a battle scene kind of gal but um there's just so much to see in these these scenes that it's it really it really keeps my attention which i appreciate
0: mm-hmm. and you know they're flying, and these ships are huge that they're flying but misado still manages to come up with this strategy of ramming into the other ship and rotating to kind of not only flip so that they're not in the line of fire anymore but also to throw the other ship kind of as a shield right so she's her tactical combat is
1: unmatched. She's too good. No arguments here. No arguments
0: here. Um, but so they as they maneuver around what's left with the Black Moon because they have to get in uh eyesight of headquarters so that they can bombard it and they have to wrap around the uh black moon because it's in the way currently. Um but once they do. Get that shot. We find out that all of the battleships that they had been carrying have been outfitted to be giant missiles <laughs> instead. Guided munition ships, I believe, was the term yeah. used. Who knew that today's battleships could be so useful? You need a shield? Done. You need something to float on a string in the sky? Done. Missile? Done. Also, they go in the water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Physics does not exist
0: in this in this world. I don't think. No not not quite um but if we're going on about you know the vessels of the atom because this will come up later and i just want to throw this out so that people can think about it as they listen to the rest of the podcast or watch the rest of the movie um because we get into some new new lore here and you know it might might want to think about it a couple times so I'll, i'll bring it up here and then we can do it again later um so as I mentioned, the atoms are this, the masters of these warships that they're flying here. Um, but together, um, all the ships have the power to open uh, the gates of Guf or the doors of Guff, which we um, are probably familiar with already. If you're not familiar with it, um, it essentially is a gateway to like all the available souls that are yet to be manifested or... Um, you know you can put souls back in it's like a little jar of souls basically <laughs> but really big and um
1: a giant <laughs> jar of souls
0: yes essentially um and but and that was kind of as far as it went in the in the series but in these movies there's a an even further state that I won't get into yet um but there's a point that's even farther than the doors of guff and we'll get into that uh as the movie comes on so that's something to to look forward to uh
1: just a quick callback to my mention of nicknames her uh, Asuka's nickname for Mari is the four-eyed
0: crony yes which doesn't seem like a very nice nickname
1: (laughs) not particularly but she I mean the four-eyed part obvious but the crony part I mean it's kind of close to homie, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> the four-eyed homie.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not terrible. It could be the four-eyed bitch, you know, or something mean, but... It That's
0: true. I wouldn't put it, it past down. her.
1: Exactly. Like, she's, she's still keeping you one peg below her, but she's definitely thinking of you in a more friendly way.
0: Yes. And so after they kind of understand that... What they have coming at them, they can't defeat with the Vundr alone, and they make the decision to launch Asuka and Mari, and that's kind of that's kind of where we're gonna we're gonna stop for for this episode here. Leave it on a little cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a good place to stop. Um, but yeah, it's it it seems like shit's about to go down. So.
0: Yes. Stay tuned out there for our next installment. And if you're curious about the other ships, a um, couple, couple quick things that I forget, because in, in case folks don't know, um, my notes are not very organized. So sometimes I forget to bring things up and I want to go back. So real quick here, um, for instance, this whole mission that they're calling Operation Yamato. Um where Yamato comes from, um, Yamato was a battleship. It was the largest in the world at the time. It was a battleship used by Japan in 1945 during the Second World War. And then the names of the warships, such as the Wunder and the other ones that are attacking them. So we have Wunder, which we know, and then the other three are. And you know, I apologize for my pronunciation here. I'm not great with German. Uh, we have Ursula, Urs, Erlösung, Erbers, Erbsund, and Gebet. Sounds like you nailed it. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: our German friends might disagree, but
0: I sounded great to me. Yeah. Feel free to, you know, send an audio file and, in, and in, uh, fix me and then I'll just plaster it over my voice and it will sound like I'm saying it. <laughs> but yeah that's that's where we stop you know we're on the cusp of the beginning of the climax of the film here
1: yeah we're about what halfway through we're at the midway point right now
0: which you know think about this if we're at the start of the end of the film and we're only halfway through i mean we got a lot coming up
1: there's a lot to talk about there's a lot happening and I think too, because this is so the the difference I think between, you know, watching the series and the other movies was that they were kind of a while ago. So, you know, you, you had time, this is new to everybody, you know, this is, it's a brand new thing. So there's just so much more content to discuss and callbacks from other um, points of the movies, previous movies or the series itself. So yeah, there's a lot to discuss and we're going to talk all about it here.
0: Where, where's here
1: here on this podcast you know I think it's called full impact and if you would like to reach out to us and help us with our German <laughs> uh, you know where to find us at full impact podcast at gmail.com um, I just want to say as always I hope that everyone out there enjoys this podcast as much as we enjoy making it
0: um, so I think that's where we'll leave it huh Nick yeah. Are you going to give me an adjective? I realized last time that you didn't end by giving me an adjective. Oh, wow. as a you're closer. Putting, you're putting me on the spot. And I was um, like, and I, I remember before we did the last one, I was like, I got to listen. So I remember how to do the intro and I totally forgot about the outro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I forgot about it too. So yeah, um, well... Uh to my other my very gracious co-host Nick, I say thank you.
0: Ah, you're very welcome. I appreciate the genuine compliment that was not, you know, I didn't have to pull your arm at all. <laughs> not nope. <did> you. Um <laughs> right on the top of my mind. But yes, if you have any thoughts, please email us. You know, maybe we get a shout-out, just like our buddy Rob did, you know, keep it coming. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Rob. All right, well, until next time.
1: Until next time.
0: Which is next Friday, by the way. (laughs) Bye.